On this week's episode, we talk about the similarities between Boris Johnson and Austin Powers. Marcus Rashford, otherwise known as Daniel Rashford, scores the goal of the season against the government, and we pick some pricks, share some good news, and round things off with a pub quiz. Find a chair and grab yourself a drink. The virtual pub is now open. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode 13 of The Virtual Pub. I'm Jason Lingland and we can't go to the pub right now, so where are we going to bring the pub? To you. To you. This is the perfect podcast for those who miss going to the pub in this particular pandemic. Picking pricks, sharing some good news and rounding things off with a pub quiz. All while having a couple of pints. And I sit with all my friends around this virtual pub table. Yeah, let's see how they're all doing. Lindsay, how's your week been and what are you drinking? Still on Carlsberg, guys, because until I'm off furlough, I can't afford anything nice. But it's okay. I'm dealing with it. Uh, My week's been all right, yeah? Like, been kind of standard, really. Um, I did install World of Warcraft again, so I have been playing that a little bit. But I haven't subscribed yet, so I can literally take a character to level 20 and then stop. So I've started, like, four new characters just going up to level 20 and then stopping you again. Um, yeah, that's kind of been me. Uh, we fixed Joey's PlayStation. If anyone remembers me, well, he accidentally blew his up. So he yep, bought, I remember. Yeah, bought a new one off Facebook Marketplace. And that didn't work because apparently someone put a PC hard drive in it. So it wouldn't work. So we swapped it with his old hard drive and it's working fine. Good, <laughs> but, good. But he's still using his mum's because... Obviously, at my house, he tried to install, I think it was No Man's Sky, and it is currently on, like, hour 8 of 12. Uh-oh. Oh, God. <laughs> so it's been a bit mental, but... Yeah, other than that, been kind of standard, kind of normal. Yeah, pretty much. Good stuff. How about you, Thorpe? How's your week been and what are you drinking? Mine's been okay so far. Just dropped my phone on the floor. That's probably cracked it, fucked it. Um... I am currently drinking the old-fashioned Nottingham local of Shippo's Original, Oof. which is actually brewed by Little Star Nice. It's actually pretty decent. And yeah. if you're ever around, grab one of those because they're a local brew and sporty locals. Um, this week, being so far, I missed off this weekend, so that should be decent. But apart from that, the main news I've got this week is I've decided to, since the shop's opened, is to quit smoking again the sixth time so it's this... way more than six times mate no no i realistically i've said it seven thousand but <laughs> the actual attempted ones have been six about six so two days in going pretty well i've not had any cravings so far but ask me next week and see how i feel okay I'll... i mean <laughs> we have witnesses now so now I am the only smoker in our little group. I ha- now have a witness for when Ben comes up to me after two pints and comes, Lindsay, can I buy my cigarette? You can all turn around and yell at him. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Welcome to do that. And I do actually have a rec- film recommendation as well, but it's actually a recommendation of don't watch this, what everyone says. So I got a recommendation from numerous sources of a horror film called Hereditary. Has anyone watched it? Nah. I watched it, thought it was fucking terrible. <laughs> story was actually, it was an all right story, but for horror film-wise, I prefer the 
I did not think it was scary at all. I thought it was just shy. To be honest, I did not get did there was anything scary about it. You know, you know what? You know what? Quite often when I'm in the car on a Friday afternoon, I'm quite often out doing Amazon deliveries on a Friday afternoon. They have the Kermode and Mayo film show on, on Radio 5. And they can talk for like five, ten minutes just about one film. They do like quite lengthy monologues about all the nitty gritty of details of films, such that I almost feel like I've seen a film without having seen it. And and the review that Thorpe gave just that it was just shite. Was like the polar <laughs> opposite of that. Here's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a man a few words. I was expecting very much like we just. I'm going to watch this and it's going to be a bit like there's going to be a few jump scares in it and it's going to be very atmospheric. And I watched it and for me, 90% of it, one is filmed in, it might not have helped that I was watching it in a quite a brightly bright room because I watched it in the middle of the day. But however, I watched it and most of it I found was filmed in the dark, which I did not enjoy because I could hardly see what the fuck was going on. Um <laughs> Your critique of a horror film is that it's shot in the dark. That describes 99% of horror films. <laughs> actually no. describes about 80% of other films, to be honest. Fair. <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just that. It was just I just got no atmosphere from it at all. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just that I find horror films a lot, like slasher films and stuff like that, a lot scarier. But then I watched that, and I did not think it was filmed in like... I, I found the storyline of it quite unbelievable. I just found what happened to the little sister quite unbelievable. I mean, mate, how many horror films have you watched where you do actually believe it happening? Like, I don't know, Final Destination, like oh, Death Final Destination coming and avenging is fucking everyone. Non-fiction. It's a documentary, that is. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of it, mate, is that it's not real. I just did I just didn't I just didn't find it scary. I maybe maybe it is just me. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. I just did not find it scary. And I Ooh. thought it was, it was every, I think it was the hype that had been built up in my head to it. There's, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion like that. And it's, um, like you said, it's the hype's been built up in your head to think this is meant to be really good. So you've gone in with over expectations and then watched it and it's not quite matched up to them. And like you said, if you genuinely didn't find it scary, then obviously your taste in horror film lies elsewhere. What makes it funny is just how you try and explain it at different times. Explain it in terms of saying, um, like, first of all, you were talking about it like, it's not believable because it's not statistically possible. And it's like... It's <laughs> and a, so it's a in the film, words, when a unicorn like, stabs someone through the stomach with its heart. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're allowed to just say you don't like it, buddy. Moody, how's your week been and what are you drinking, mate? Uh, yeah, Yeah, it's been... I can't remember what I said last week, but probably about the same. Um, it's been a pretty uh, pretty normal week for me, I guess, uh, between my paid job taking up a decent chunk of my week and, and kind of looking at, at uh, all Tracy markets, etc. for what I want to do as a, a long-term job that's taken up a lot of my time now. So, yeah, it's been a, an interesting couple of days trying to dodge all the thunder showers while I've been out delivering, but uh, managed, to, managed to get through without, uh, without getting washed away. Uh, what did we watch? We watched film. We watched film on Friday night. Um, we were both a bit knackered, and we just needed something unchallenging. And it was one that we kind of seen in Netflix lists a few times. Um, the Long Shot, which is a uh, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. 
Yeah, I mean, basically, um, if you've seen a Seth Rogen film, you've already kind of seen it because, let's <laughs> be honest, he, he just writes the same film over and over again. Yeah. Um, this one's probably a little bit more towards the chick flick end of the of the spectrum, I'd probably say. Um, it's thoroughly predictable, but it's it's very funny and it's an easy watch and it was it was it was entertaining. So if you want uh, if you want an easy film taking over a couple of beers you're certainly not going to be scared by it. you're certainly not going to shit yourself um and you probably won't get to the end of it and feel like your life has been meaningfully changed in any way um but sometimes cinema doesn't have to do those things it was a good uh, a good relaxing watch so yeah i'd probably recommend it for that reason alone the low point of my week was probably sunday because i had to do a nine hour shift with a really really thick head um, which is prime, predominantly your guys' fault because we played play Pokemon <laughs> game on Saturday night and I drank a hey, lot of light. What? It, it was your idea. I'm aware of that. But <laughs> you, you, you're the one. You know, I got I got nominated for various drinking things, and well, if you, if I hadn't been nominated, I might not have been as drunk. And I, I accept that I'm partially responsible, but only partially. Yeah, definitely your guys' fault. uh, and i'm drinking king goblin again because let's be honest as long as that's five pound fifty for four cans in tesco i'm probably not going to drink much else because it's just cracking value for a good beer and i drink a lot of it so all good it's almost becoming a a weekly trend in itself good stuff good stuff dolby how's your week been and what are you drinking mate uh, yeah, it's been good. Um, this is probably the closest week I've had to like a normal week, I would say, because um, I got really drunk at the weekend and watched football on, in the midweek. So that's pretty much how I spend my week in normal. <laughs> Working nine to five, getting pissed at the weekends and watching football is how I spend most of my time anyway. So it's probably the closest that I've been to normality for, what, three months now? Yeah, so the movement, well, we got really fast internet in yesterday. So obviously we were watching all the football today. We had like a bit of a sort of socially distanced thing on the weekend where we had uh, people that lived really close by. We had like two or three people around, essentially, um, just to have like a mini housewoman in lieu of having a proper one when everything's back to normal. Yeah, and I watched the most, as I said before, we went on air, I watched the most amazing nil-nil football match ever because they forgot to turn on goal line technology and it was it was an amazing way to spend my Wednesday evening before recording this podcast. So. <laughs> And in terms of drinking, uh, I'm back to my usual Six Bubbles fancy sour beer collection. Um, currently drinking a lemon sherbet ale, which is delicious. Um, mm. I hadn't drunk anything since Saturday because of the insane that I might I drank on Saturday. Oh, sorry, since Sunday because uh, unfortunately Brewdog have started doing takeaway pints, so it's quite easy to get oh, a pint from dangerous. Brewdog in the sun. Yeah, sit and drink it and go and get another one, which is what I did most of my day Sunday. So I wasn't going to drink all week and then I realised I had the podcast and I'm not going to do this shit sober, so. <laughs> you make it sound like a chore. No, it's just, you know, I've heard, I've listened to it back now and I've realised how I sound. So the thought of putting people through that when I've not had a drink is uh... a... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, but I'm back on top four of my quiz this week, which will give out something, everyone something to look forward to. How about you, Jason? How's your week been and what are you drinking? Uh, my week's been okay, I guess. Like, um, I don't know about you guys, but it's definitely getting to the point now where all the days are kind of just melting into a single blob. And 
there's definitely been a lot of repetition in what I'm doing. I would say that like, I'm doing interesting stuff, but no, like I'm still working. So I come in here, do work, go out, eat dinner, play games and come back to bed and repeat sort of thing. Well, normally this would have all been broken up by social activities like going to the pub. But since we can't do that right now, it's why this show and online get togethers with all you guys, like the Pokemon drinking game where there was honestly got a bit where I had to miss five turns and do six drinks, which absolutely fucked me up. All these bits are like not just hilarious, but also like really important as well for me. And in terms of my drinking choice, generic ale choice, but I'm on the Doom bar. I do Great really beer. appreciate it. I, I really, really like it. I would have appreciated an Atlantic Pale, but I know that's quite rare to get around here. Oh my God, you're such a hipster. <laughs> I remember when we all just used to neck back bloody Red Stripe and gamers in Rock City and everyone was happy about it. But now you've got to have your bloody <laughs> North Atlantic Pale and your bloody Sours. Just have a fucking Jager Bomb and shut the fuck up. I would much rather be able to go out and neck a Jager Bomb in Rock City, but I can't. So you've got to make the best of it, aren't you? Yeah, but I I've would be... my own, mate. Excuse me, talk, talk, speak for yourself, Lindsay. I cannot wait to get that first pound of dark fruits down, mate. and i would be more than happy to go out if it meant double parking red stripes again in rock city like that's that is all i drank there except for like the old jager bomb or so oh yeah where you always kept out of the little on the thursday two for one thing and everyone would buy buy two and then pass one on to someone else and they buy two and pass the old one on apart from you who would just (laughs) keep the two forever (laughs) no in his defense i would usually i i I mastered the art of holding the holding two cans of gamers on top of each other because they would give you this was obviously a few years ago where they didn't demand that you open that they didn't open the cans for you so you could have one that was still closed and you'd hold the can you were drinking from with like your thumb and your forefinger but then you'd have the bot the second can like underneath it and you'd hold that with your three other three fingers of your hand so it looked like you just got two cans stacked on top of each other and I always meant one time to go and just take like some of that gorilla tape so I could just like track them <laughs> together and just have one massive can, but I never never actually did it. Um although you I can guess, get little lids for him now, so uh the beer technology it's, it never stops. <laughs> I, 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 I I wanna make it like reinforce that point you made, Jay, about all the days merging into one. It's a standing joke between Fiona and I that I basically can, I have a really good memory for events, but the only reason I have a really good memory for events is because of sports and music gigs. So it's like, (laughs) quite often talk about like milestones in our relationship or like dates we've been on or something like that. And it's, oh, when was that? And I go, and I'll be able to go, oh, well, no, it was on this Saturday in June because that was, that was like the weekend before this festival, or it was on the same weekend as a football match or a rugby match or something like that. (laughs) So I'm now in a situation where there's been no meaningful sport or gigs in over three months. I've got absolutely no fucking clue what's happened in the last three months. And if anything, any important dates that happened in like April, May, 2020, I'm going to, I'm not never going to remember them. And that's the other equally baffling bit that I keep thinking about. It's been three fucking months. Mm-hmm. It has not felt like three months when you think back. I haven't been to work since St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Mental. Am I the only person that's forgot? I don't know if Lindsay will probably be able to relate to this. Am I the only person? Have you forgotten what it's like to work behind a bar? Yeah. Yeah, I cannot remember. Like, I cannot remember what it feels like to be five deep at the bar. Enraged. 
I'm sure I'll quickly remember when when everything goes back to normal eventually. I was going to say you're you're going to have a terrible a terrible moment about 26 minutes into your first shift back where you mentally just go, <laughs> oh yeah. No, 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 you know, you no, know, no, 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 Moody, Moody, hang on, I'll stop you all there because Moody has hit the nail on the head there. Because if I do go back to work on the fourth and we do open at like dinner time, it is literally going to be about 26 minutes in because Forest Derby are on the TV playing away and oh, I, wor- and <laughs> I will be working that game. So that is literally going to be at 26 minutes in and we'll think, why the fuck did I come back to work? <laughs> when i when i go back i'm expected to, to still be able to pass my free pour test and my cocktail spec test and i don't think i can do it <laughs> Lindsay, you've only just managed staying sober on shift i know right why do you think i've kept up drinking so much because i've got to keep it together <laughs> <laughs> right so now that we've got everybody introduced let's get right into some news starting with the fact that the season has only just started. You've heard Dolby. He watched um, a goalless game because somebody forgot to turn on goal line tech. But Marcus Rashford has already scored the best goal of the entire season against the government. Oh, Jay, wow. That's yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to score with that intro? Too long. Too fucking long, like, Have I got news for you right now? <laughs> I, I, I forego or went so many, like, conversations with the missus around the house just to think of that like no i have to focus and concentrate um daniel Rashford. oh god yeah marcus rashford <laughs> otherwise known as daniel radford yeah i didn't know he was in harry Potter. that's quite an impressive performance from him oh, just, he's just got such a cv <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so if you don't know what we're talking about ladies and gents um it started on monday when Marcus Rashford sent a letter to, well, an open letter to all MPs in Parliament um, that launched a campaign, hashtag make the U-turn, which was essentially a plea to ask the government to extend the free food, free lunch for um, school kids scheme across the summer. Um, And at first, it was supported by a lot of MPs, a few Tories, and also the entire Labour shadow, shadow cabinet went behind it as well. But Bojo first rejected it. The reasons weren't necessarily made clear. Uh, it was just a very bland statement of, we applaud Mr. Rashford for his proactivity and his positivity and trying to engage in politics and didn't necessarily say much more than that. Co-op, four points to them, stepped up to the plate, extending their free meal scheme through the summer holidays for their 6,000 students in the academy scheme. Nowhere near enough, but it's a start and more than a government was actually planning to do at the time. But then the next day, Rashford doubled down on it and appealed to, let's say, the basic morality of the situation, because I think most of the British public can all get behind the idea of wanting to feed the children and feed those in need and feed the children who may be going hungry at this point in time or maybe going hungry around the summer because people are having to make the decision between either paying their bills or feeding their family. The government's simple answer at this point would have been to say yes, but they let things run a little bit too far to the point of humiliation. And I don't know whether you guys agree, but they looked a little bit heartless in what they were doing. The Tory party looking heartless. Surely Crazy, not. right? <laughs> Out of the entire thread, Secretary of State for Work and Pensions. Uh, you'll have to fact check me if I say this name wrong, but it's either Therese Coffee or Theresa Coffee. It's one of the two. Or Therese. It could be something. I don't fucking know. Judging by a response, it would have been Cafefe. 
(laughs) (laughs) In the first bit of this multi-thread tweet that Marcus Rashford posted, he said, when you wake up this morning and run your shower, take a second to think about how parents who have had their water turned off during lockdown. And he went on in the multiple threads after that to also tell people to to make the U-turn. He started talking about the food poverty in uh, and across the UK too. Sweetest coffee. Her response is, water can't be disconnected though. Instead of actually addressing the fucking issue in that situation, Marcus Rashford's response, as you would quite rightly expect it to be, was along the lines of, I'm concerned this is the only tweet of mine you acknowledged. Like she didn't respond to any of the other parts. She just went along and just pedantically fact-checked him on the water line. And it was at this point that it was starting to get a little bit embarrassing. Well, more than a little bit embarrassing. And a lot more Tory MB started rebelling and breaking the ranks of Boris Johnson's response of saying, no, we're not going to do this, and saying it should happen. And then a few hours later, as we all know now, Boris Johnson successfully made the U-turn. During the briefing where he spoke about the U-turn on school meals over the summer, he'd said he was not aware of the Rashford campaign before that day, which was the Tuesday, even though he had fucking rejected it the day before, and number 10 had come out and fact-checked their own prime minister to say, no, that's not actually the case. He actually heard about it on Monday. So if there's a fucking breakdown happening in Downing Street, I don't really know what's going on in that absolute shit show. And rather than responding immediately to this basic humane call of don't let children go hungry, it's quite clear this was bowing to the pressure rather than acting of their own volition. And I think that's a little fucked up. Totally. Like, I was watching the news the other day. It might have been, yeah, it might have been just yesterday when they announced the U-turn, but literally just before that, it was um, Rebecca Long-Bailey, who's the Shadow Education Secretary, Dan? Hmm. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, <laughs> but she was saying it's not an act of politics; it's an act of humanity. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. Like it's children going hungry. I've been watching a uh, for some reason, God forbid why. I've been watching a lot of um, Jeremy Vine this week, and a fair bit of like a few videos of LB, LBC Radio as well. It's the same argument that when it when an issue arises like this. It's always the same arguments that essentially Tory voters will say this. Oh, but people on benefits, they need to spend their money right and look after the kids first. And this is exactly what Katie Hopkins has said as well, is that they need to put their kids first and buy their kids food instead of spend uh, instead of spending all their money on fags and booze and like non-essentials. Fair enough point. But they generalize everyone that is on this school meals like that. We all know anyone that's got an ounce of morality say knows that that is not true. Yeah, and the main complaint, as you were alluding to there, has always been, I don't, I want to pay my taxes, but I don't want my taxes to go on that specifically, or go on them specifically, or pay for this, or pay for that. And it's like, you don't get to control that. We agreed to a social contract a moral contract, let's call it, that we are going to build this safety net and support people who need that support because who knows? One, yeah, one day you might may... need it. Exactly. And those, pe- those people who are saying that may need that support system. 
like, for example, um, I know that Katie Hopkins for something in the past, um, some kind of libelous comment got sued through a fucking ass, and she had to sell the house that she was owning and she's now renting, which obviously is the situation that a lot of us are in at the moment. But if it went that much worse, she would probably be on these system relying on these systems that she is terribly bad mouthed. Not gonna say this, but there is a this is going to cause probably, but there was a just looking for a tweet that Katie Hopkins said. Oh, I know what she said. And yeah, this is probably going to cause a lot of uproar. This was to do with this. The tweet that Katie Hopkins said if you can't afford to feed a child, why did you have three of them own your issues? And before that, she posted it essentially the same tweet, but instead of three of them, it said, Why did you have a child? She um, meant she at mentioned. Marcus Rashford in it and one of them and said do you think these mothers think about how to feed their child before having one and it's that's not the issue people seem to think think that when you're on benefits you get thousands and thousands of pounds a week and you don't you (laughs) really don't trust me you trust me you fucking don't like coming from a a single parent family it's fucking you you don't you don't get shit no no yeah, I think in I think in any serious discussion, what Katie Hopkins is tweeting about it is not the issue because she deliberately picks up on what is not the issue and says these things to try and inflame, which yeah. you know obviously it works, and she's made a lot of money out of it, and you know she's an idiot, but fair play to her for deciding that she wants to be an idiot and make money from it because it's worked for her. I've, for me, the big issue that comes out of all of this is it's a it's a logical next step from what we've seen from the Conservative government over the past 12 months, which is that they don't really have much of an idea about which policies they want to get behind. And what they've obviously done in recent months is gone through the the, the coordinated system of leaks, which, you know, we, you look at the furlough scheme and things like that, where they basically just leak three or four different variations on how they want to do things to three or four different media sources and then see how everybody reacts to them so that they can then decide based on public reaction which one they want to go with. The, the, yeah. the, natural, the natural evolution of this is that people then almost feel like they can influence policy and it, it, the stars are aligned such that somebody who is an extremely passionate individual about the issues he speaks for. Marcus, this isn't the first time that Marcus Rashford has spoken um, quite passionately about issues that are are very close to him. And, you know, he's clearly a very intelligent young man who's probably got experience beyond his years. But actually, he's got a massive reach, a massive following. um, And and he's, he's decided to take the issue into his own hands. I'm not going to defend the Conservative government and all the ministers that were obviously interviewed about it across whatever it was, Monday and Tuesday. But I think what you really see is because of the speed at which these things happen, what you end up with is backbench MPs being interviewed and asked what their view on the policy is. And they don't know what the party line is. Mm. And this is one of those things that does, you know, again, I'm not saying it's a good thing. Um, that it used to be more difficult to get information out of MPs. But 20 years ago, what's happened in two or three days here would have taken three months. Um, And so MPs would have had time to get like the party line from their leadership and present a a united front. 
and they they find it difficult to do that now and unfortunately because of the nature of the underlying conservative principles when they get challenged on things like are you going to extend free school meals for the poorest they don't tap into the idea that oh we should be quite humanitarian and say it's something we're looking at they just take the view of well you know we haven't done it before so why are we going to do it again and then it's only when they realize that there's such public pressure that not doing something would cause an absolutely huge uproar that they then have no choice but to u-turn and Mm. it's a very difficult to get right once you've got it wrong and i think that's the, the the challenge that this government's got is how to, how can they be seen to be doing right when what they actually inher- want to do is inherently wrong. Um, that's basically my sort of left of centre view of it, I guess. The, obviously, the right thing to do would have been for them to sit there at the beginning and go, we should extend the free school meal scheme. I've got one question and I'm, I'm slightly uninformed on the element of this, so maybe one of you guys can answer it. Okay. This is obviously a free school meals programme where kids going to school and they don't have to pay for their meals what's been happening up to now for kids that haven't been in school since march have they been getting these vouchers throughout the whole of the lockdown period so that they can feed themselves at home i'll provide the wording here under normal circumstances schools do not provide free school meals to eligible children who are not in school but during the coronavirus outbreak we expect schools to continue supporting children eligible for benefits related to free school meals who are at home the steps you take will depend on your circumstances. This will include providing meals or food parcels through your food provider, using the Department for Education centrally funded national voucher scheme, and providing alternative vouchers for a local shop or supermarket. Okay, okay. So, 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 so it's not that, that that money has been saved up and they're now playing. All right. They've not Maybe. necessarily been used. They're no, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, understood. So... I think you need to try and draw this as a positive story. I think it's very easy to look at what's been achieved and say it's great and then attach a whole load of, but the government could have just got it right in the first instance. I I think what we've got to really focus on here is the fact that somebody has started a campaign, highlighted an important issue and really, really pushed it. And And I think there is an opportunity here based on what we know about this government for people to keep doing that and I think it's as, as I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to talk about when we talk about other things later that's going to be a, a running theme for, for me in the next couple of years at least is if the right people make the right noises that's how you can affect positive change um, because this government has shown itself time and again to be pretty inept and that's even before you consider the fact that it's about to have to deal with the recovery from a global pandemic and Brexit, which occupies 150% of its collective conscious time. So you're just you're, like things that are actually important are going to have to be dealt with by quote unquote normal people. That's not how it should be. But realistically, this government's going to be in power until 2024 at the earliest. So we've probably got to work with what we can. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well said. Take the win, move on to the next one. Mm. Like you said, we can take this story for what it is. But there's another story that I've lovingly called Boris Powers. So, as you know, Boris Johnson flies around on a jet, sometimes mostly to the EU to like negotiate deals with them. He's not necessarily been flying as much recently. But, yeah, he's spending £900,000 amidst the pandemic on painting a plane in Union Jack colours, which one source said the paint job sounded like something from Austin Powers. Now, 
normally I'd probably say this is highly irresponsible at this point in time and selfish for spending at a time like this. But fuck it. Why not? Why just stop at the paint job? You could get like a fucking spinning waterbed in the middle of the plane for fucking 900k. You could have the fucking monkeys on a vinyl player. Just fucking go all out with a 60s chic in the inside if you're going to go full Austin Powers. Like, fuck's sake. What a waste of money. I mean, it's it's um, nationalism 101, isn't it? Yeah. That's just, that's just you know, oh, we haven't got a plane that looks like our flag. Come on. <laughs> I, bet that really? bloke, I bet that bloke in the green polo shirt from the weekend who was doing the Macarena fucking loves this story. <laughs> the Gaminista up in arms about this. Boris, it's, it's one of those stories you come to expect from Boris Johnson. Like, it's, it's, it's essentially the equivalent of Balotelli setting off fireworks in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, 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 I mean, to give it... It is literally, this week, Boris in Boris Johnson's ridiculous life. This Boris week in Boris, Boris land. <laughs> um, are you ready for a bit of a, here's what you could have won bullseye style, what that 900k could have paid for instead? I really, yes. hope, you've, Ooh, I really yes. hope you've done the soundbite of in one. <laughs> <clears throat> so here is what we could have won with that 900K. 22,500 courses of dexamethasone for coronavirus patients, which obviously has been reported this week as the breakthrough drug to help. University tuition for 32 student nurses. Wages for 360 furloughed workers. And a week of free school meals for 60,000 kids. And we're going to spend it on a fucking plane. Sake, Boris. <laughs> Hopefully they fit it out with an improved kitchen and then it can... Yeah, maybe he's cooking the school meals. Yeah. Free school meals. <laughs> just lands outside primary schools where he just drops meals off. Is Boris, is Boris going to be like their mothers on Jamie Oliver's TV programme handing turkey Twizzlers through the railings? <laughs> wait how many wait nine hundred thousand? did you say uh yeah nine hundred thousand. sorry wait hang on hang on Give we used second. to we used to sell turkey twizzlers at ashfield for 50p so how many turkey twizzlers for 50p can you get from nine hundred thousand? how many zeros is hundred thousand? yeah just nine hundred thousand times two there mate oh yeah sure how many zeros is ben how got, many ben zeros? Ben got his math education from Ashfield. That's what I learned. <laughs> oh, <laughs> how many zeros in what? Nine, nine and five zeros, Linz. Nine and five zeros. Yes. Okay, that's because Linz is from Devon. So you can get sixty thousand steak bakes for that. <laughs> we only believe in the Greg's economy on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we focus on, and that's it for Boris's week of pure Borising. Join us after the break as we pick some pricks. Hello. It's the host Jason England, and much like you would be supporting your local pub if we were allowed outside, we need your help supporting the virtual pub. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating. 
It will help us so much more than you could possibly imagine. And if you're listening to us from any other podcast service like Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Radio Public, basically wherever else on the internet you can find us, then do go ahead and support us on there with a follow, a subscribe, whatever the interaction is on there, and share the show with your friends and family. We want to get this in front of as many people as possible because none of us can go to the pub right now and we want to do our best to bring the pub to as many of you as possible. And that's enough from me. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, and it is time to pick a prick. It's time Time to pick a prick. Pick a prick. This is the same segment on the show where we get to have a good old bitch about someone or something in the news of the week. And we kick off with Moody. Pick a prick. Okay, I was going to do this one last week, but we ended up talking about other stuff. Um, So it's not necessarily current, but it's still relevant. Uh, Radio 5. Uh, and, and I'm going to go with the station rather than the individual that's talking. And and the reason for this is that I, I listen to quite a lot of Radio 5. But I have it on in my van when I'm out delivering Tesco. Or sometimes I have it on in the car when I'm out delivering Amazon. If I don't want to listen to music, you know, the, the, the articles are quite snappy usually. And it's interesting to hear what people have got to say. And what what I'm coming at here with my... my uh, pick a prick is not what is said but how it's said it's best if i play the clip and then i'll kind of explain better what i'm talking about so this is a clip from the five live drive which is the uh, late afternoon show i think it was broadcast about quarter past six on a monday evening uh last monday um and what you'll hear is the guy interviewing, this guy named Tony Livesey, and he's interviewing the Labour and Cooperative MP for Voxel. Um, and this is obviously in light of the Bristol Colston statue stuff that happened over that weekend. And obviously the actual news story is, is a little bit old now. But I'll play the clip, have a listen, and it's just the way that the questions are worded. And have a listen, see what you think. They're the same people are working in those long-term jobs, low-paid jobs. They're the same people living in un- unaffordable, really, really bad housing. All those well, systematic things need to change. You, you, you define how you heard Peter Patel refer to these um, gatherings. She said they're illegal. Uh, she talked about thugs and criminals and a lawless minority. Uh, and in, and, and as, I, as I said at the start, not for mobs to tear down statues. And you're, you're asking them to write to their MPs. They might say to you, is that... Is that going to bring about change? We have to. We have to make sure that the government listen. We have to make sure people continue to protest in a peaceful manner to get their points across. We have to make sure that when things come back to normal, after the lockdown, after the, the easing of the restrictions, people continue to make sure that they're getting their voices heard. We want to see that change. And lastly, in terms of people coming out and, and the thuggery, we've, we've been forces and please to come back. There's no social distancing going on. I don't know if you've been watching the proceedings in the chamber. So before the government and, and, and the Home Secretary are talking about people breaking the restrictions and, and, and going out of I've seen many examples of thuggery from some of some members opposite me in the Commons. 
So why is it okay for one group but not all right for another? What do you think, Dougie? What do you mean? This, the screaming, the abuse, the way that we in the House of Commons behave. I'm a relatively new MP, but some of the behaviour stops me. That's not party specific, is it really? That works for It's all. not. It's not. I'll be honest. It's not. I'm not here to be party political and, and say it's just one party. Um, There's a lot to unpack in that, but what I'm really getting at here is the underlying tone of the, the interview. It's so defeatist. All yeah. of the questions are coming from a, a very negative standpoint in terms of if we do this, is it really going to make a difference? Um, and it's those last comments that, that I, I picked up on as I was listening to it live and it really just struck me. And this happens far too often for a national radio station where they will bring on a guest, they will ask them questions, and then at the end, they'll just completely trivialise the argument. To be making comments, throwaway comments like, well, I guess we'll be having this conversation every year for the next few decades. And then when she actually calls him out on it by saying, yeah, that's, that's, that's the point we shouldn't be, to furiously backtrack is just not good enough. And it doesn't help when it's a, a white, middle-aged male interviewing a black female MP. But it's these little underlying things that I think really contribute to the bigger problem we've got. And we've obviously talked a lot in recent weeks around, you know, things that are the Black Lives Matter, about the, the statues, uh, obviously what's going on this week. But a lot of it is talking about racism in this country. And I know I've had conversations with people around, you know, I don't I don't feel like I'm racist, but I now feel like I'm being told that things I do are racist. And it's partly because of the systemic institutional racism that exists in our country. It's almost like it's being made to feel like that the argument is less valid because it's about black people wanting, you know, equality. But once the, the answers have been given, it's just brushed aside with a, well, we'll probably be talking about this again next year, but thanks for coming on the show anyway. And I don't want to necessarily pick on the specific journalist. As I say, I've listened to, to him a lot over the years. He's generally quite an enjoyable listen. Um, and I think he's not the only the, he's not the only presenter that's guilty of it. And probably part of it is that they they work to very strict schedules and they've probably got producers in their ear saying you need to wrap it up in the next 15 seconds and stuff like that. And that makes it very difficult. But the problem there is, as I say, this went out at 6.15 on a Monday evening. A lot of people listening to that won't have been sitting there actively listening to the show. They'll have been in a commute with it on in the background or it'll be on in the kitchen while they're making dinner, talking to the family, looking after the kids, stuff like that. And it's just stuff like that tone, I think, gets into people's heads, possibly without them even realising. And it's stuff like that that kind of leads to that sort of institutional racism that I do believe exists in this country. And I just think we've got to demand better from our media when when they're speaking to people about these sensitive issues. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, agreed. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, the immediate like disqualifying point is the fact that Tony Lipsy is basically speaking about it as if it's a political issue. And it's the same thing as when we're talking about the um, Marcus Rashford story before. Like, this transcends politics. This is simple, basic morality, equality for all. And the fact that he's talking about it in such a way of like, oh, it's this political issue that's come up again. And it's like, fuck off. People, when you bring up talks of race and people say, I don't want to get into a political debate. What's that a debate about? Is racism good or bad? Mm. Yeah, like there is nothing <laughs> to debate about this here. That's if you think there are things to debate about, like TV shows and statues, you're missing the point. They're too quick to put their views in place for things that they have no right to have a view on. Like again, I'm the same as Moody. Like I've listened to Five Live for a really long time. Tony Liberty is a very, very good journalist. He's very good at his job, but he doesn't really have a right to tell a black woman how she should feel about these issues because he's not ever going to experience them. It's the whole a thing like I, I swear like a lot of white people have with lots of issues really because like especially like middle class like upper tier people like oh that's not happening that doesn't happen because it's not happened to me and it's no that's not that's not what it's like at all yeah like just open your eyes and have conversations with other people it doesn't really take a lot Part of the reason that social media is good because people can put these videos up and put these photos up, but then there's people who say, "Oh no, where's the facts? Where's the evidence?" And it's like it's literally right there in front of you. But then it's like, "Oh wait, no, I want to see actual evidence." And it's like, "Okay, so this evidence doesn't fit your worldview." Yeah, yeah. And, and 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 certainly with uh, with BBC Radio in particular, they they are guilty in in my opinion of being far too desperate to present both sides of the story in every little thing they do. I could not agree more. And it was a big problem going into the election because both sides of the argument, both sides on the right or the left, after in that election, said the BBC were being biased against their opinion. And it wasn't mm. that they were being biased against their opinion. They were trying to be too neutral. Yeah. So you'd have Jacob Rees-Mogg coming out and saying the horrible things he said about Grenfell or a Labour MP that was involved in the anti-Semitism issue. And rather than going, obviously, he's wrong, and the anti-Semitism is wrong, the BBC put themselves in a position where if you had a Labour MP coming on to say, well, actually, I think Jacob Rees-Mogg is incorrect to say that people in Grenfell died because of their own fault. Well, your party's racist. What do you think about that? Like, yeah. And it's not just politically. They do it with everything. They, they yeah. are... But they are because they are they are to be politically neutral as part of their license condition. I think they are yeah. overtly offensively neutral. I was going to say by the time they've represented both the main party lines and read two text messages from viewers, there's no time to cover anything else, is there? So no, this comes back to when you're talking about them being offensively neutral. This kind of bleeds down to, I guess, a change in the definition or a misunderstanding of the definition of what journalism is, like. Many, many, many journalism lecturers around the world probably say the same as the one that I got. And it's the journalist's job is to look outside and tell you it's raining. It's not to get somebody on who believes it's raining and then somebody who's a rain denier to debate about whether it's raining or not. Yeah, Dara Breen did a thing that I I quote it regularly um, about the news, the way that they were covering a space launch. 
launches, you'd have a guy from NASA covering the, the rocket going to space and a guy that thinks that, this, that space is a carpet painted by God. And they would sit there and actively debate which one, who was right, yeah. who was wrong. When really, if it's a scientific fact, just let the scientists talk about it. Like, you don't have to include the people's point of view all the time. Like, this is what, you know, the sentiments said on this are not that of the BBC, blah, 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 blah. That's all you need to say, and it's fine. But this is a news channel that also interviewed a guy about a technological development when he came for a job as a cleaner. <laughs> so I don't think we should ever be surprised by anything they do. Fucking hell. Anyway, Jay, that's enough from me. What have you got for us this week? So I've got a segment within a segment as I welcome you all back to Fuck the Daily Mail. If there's one thing we can all agree, it's Fuck the Daily Mail. So this isn't necessarily about a piece in the Daily Mail because I've read enough Daily Mail on this podcast to last me for the rest of the year and it's making me depressed. So instead, I'm going to go after their writers. One particular writer, the political commentator named Dan Hodges. I know I've talked about him before, but this deserves a second spotlight. Now for some context around this. The right wing here in the UK, for anybody listening from overseas, I see that we have quite a big audience in the US, so hello. Hi, US. <laughs> the right wing here in the UK seems to be pretending to suffer from some sort of colorblindness lately. And the epidemic seems to be a lot more literal than we thought, as whenever they are asked about black people, they talk about black and minority ethnic people, or BAME, for short. I too am actually colorblind, so I can say that they're pretending, because from my scientific research of watching far too much TV, I can safely confirm that colorblind people can tell the difference between minority ethnicities, like black people, and Asian people. You see, one of the box of Tic Tacs you know to be the toy government on telly during an interview about racial diversity... A key example would be Matt Hancock on Sophie Ridge's show a week or so ago when he was asked to name a black person in the government to which he said, well, we have Rishi Sunak and Priti Patel. A classic yet dim-witted diversion. So how does all this apply to Dan? Well, he was commenting about an Asian woman named Munira Mirza being appointed to the new government commission on racial inequalities a commission that seems to have been done multiple times over the past few years, one by David Lummy, for instance. But Boris now wants another one, almost as if the answer to racism is, eh, we'll think about the answer. But that's an entirely different path to the one I'm going to take here. Manira's appointment has caused a lot of dismay as she's gone on the record to say institutional racism is a perception more than reality, so openly doubting the existence of it, even though the numbers in this area speak the uncomfortable truth, and called the anti-racist movement a culture of grievance. In fact, while I do babble on about Dan here, it goes without saying that she is an utter prick as well, so fuck you. She forms a front alongside a few voices across the globe, such as Candace Owens in the US, that seems to be willingly supporting this false narrative and damaging race relations further by being the minority puppet that speak these words and gives those on the side of institutional racism the chance to say it doesn't exist. On the context of what they say and do, they are shills for what is the enemy in this situation, in this time of overdue systemic change. So naturally, a lot of people disagreed and voiced their anger at Manira's appointment, which led to Dan tweeting, So is it Manira Mirza's turn to be the wrong sort of black woman today? alluding towards this being a case of unnecessary conflict. 
Nadine Bachelor Hunt, podcaster, journalist, she fucking does it all, follower, if you don't already, responded by highlighting the glaring case of colorblindness he was suffering from in this situation. Dan, she's not a black woman as far as I know. Why did you tweet this? All Bane people are not the same. To which he asked, so what is she then? At first, Nadine and several others, including myself, thought this had to be a fucking joke, but turns out he was serious. In his question, as he backed it up by saying, you said all Bane people are not the same. Fine, so in this context, I was specific about that in my tweet. How should she be defined? So I'm going to dish out the bad news about this to begin with. Dan, no matter how much of a lapdog you are to the toy party, Boris just isn't going to shag you, mate. I'm very sorry. (laughs) But even taking your political alignment into account, taking into account the fact that you are a conservative shill and nobody should listen to a fucking word you say, I know you have a brain. You must have been educated in some way to get you into the position you are at. So it baffles me that you have difficulty distinguishing between the terms black, Asian, and BAME. Unless you're doing it deliberately, which I can't conclusively accuse you of without the evidence, but the evidence of character sure points towards it. The fact that your hilarious temper tantrum upon realising the overwhelming level of disagreement to your statement ended with, if people want to stoke up these decisions, the divisions, fair enough. Peak white privilege, wading in, swinging your dick around, being politely told you're wrong, and then storming off. So, Dan, Daniel, Danny boy, if you're listening, which I assume you will be once this episode airs, because saying your name seems to be the Twitter version of fucking Beetlejuice. Let me be direct with you and start by saying something that may floor you. I agree that divisions are being made by the Black Matters movement. And these are divisions between, very simply, racist and non-racist people. And through this pathetic display, you're highlighting exactly what side of that you're on, you absolute racist bellend. In the words of Juan Ramirez, when he was speaking to the LAPD commission, suck my dick and choke on it, fuck you. Ah, uh, scene. <laughs> Better than Shakespeare, Jay. Fucking vagina monologues over here. Basically, every time you said the guy's name, I looked up, expecting you to be talking. (laughs) Like, Like, hello. I think that's it. We can't really. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) 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 So, on that note, join us after the break as we get into some good news and hopefully raise the mood. Welcome back, and after what was quite a serious bunch of pricks that we've picked, let's lift the mood, and let's get into some good news. So, Thorpe, give us the good news. Right, so there's been a breakthrough in COVID-19 treatment. This, there's a new drug called, and I'm going to put this out to however I say this wrong, it's called dexamethasone. 
Is that right, Jay? You said right it earlier. Mate. You're right there. Hey. hey. <laughs> Speak. First, dex- right. first dex- dexamethasone, next the world, or whatever Z in the dictionary. It treats a range of conditions, but it treats, but mainly it's used for rheumatoid, rheumatoid arthritis and asthma. They did a test on 2,104 patients, and they gave them six, uh, six milligrams of dexamethasone once a day by mouth or or injection for 10 days. They found that 28 over a 28-day period, the death rate among patients requiring ventilators was 41% down, and uh, for those needing oxygen, was 25% down. Big was 13% among those not requiring re- uh, respiratory intervention. However, there was no change among people who did not require respiratory support. The main thing about this, though, is the cost. The cost of this treatment is so much cheaper than most others. A course of treatment for eight people will cost around 40 quid, which is cheaper. It's amongst cheaper in England, but it's also quite affordable for countries, lower income countries like Africa, countries in Africa. Sorry. What do you guys think? I think that. It's an amazing thing, but I just have one simple question, Mr. Geography. Go on. Did you say countries like Africa? Uh, ex- I, I said, I did correct myself, and I said, countries, <laughs> I said countries like Africa, then corrected myself and said countries in Africa. Okay, okay. So fuck now you. This- <laughs> <laughs> I was aware of my flaws. <laughs> And no, I'm willing, is... and I'm not willing to work on them. <laughs> no, no, this, this is, is great. Like, yeah. I was, fuck the side effects, man. Everything's got side effects. When, exactly. When, girl, when girls go on the pill, the side effect is like, like low libido and weight gain and depression, anxiety, and high blood pressure and stuff like that. So we're already got all that going on, and then most of the world are on antidepressants, and that can cause bloody nausea and. Lef- Freaking sleepy sleepiness. Can't think of the right word. No. Lethargy. Lethargy. That's the one. Lethargy. No, I prefer, I prefer no, sleepiness. No. Sleepiness can cause sleepiness. <laughs> yeah, I did. But... I did. I like on the whole article. I did. I did look at it, and the side effects are like when you pull out a thing of paracetamol, and it's like it lists off all the things, and I've just got the usual side effects, and it is literally just the standard side effects you get from anything. Let's get, someone, get it as in. As someone who's watched American TV and seen American drug adverts, I know that literally every drug has to list possible death as a side effect. So, um, yeah. You yeah. <laughs> wouldn't worry about that. I mean, a side effect of life is possible death. Well, not even possible. Correct. Mm. A side Guaranteed. effect of life Guaranteed. is certain death. <laughs> so, you just gave me yeah. the best idea. Have you been listening to Hawthorne Heights, Lindsay? <laughs> well, I'm. I missed that. I said, have you been listening to Hawthorne Heights? Why, Always. Ben, why, why aren't you listening to Hawthorne Heights would be a better question, Ben. <laughs> God, <laughs> damn it, Ben. No, I've been listening to Bright Eyes. Now that, oh. <laughs> that is a depressing band. It's that song where they're on the plane. Oh, what's it? Oh. It's your birthday. Happy birthday, darling. <laughs> <laughs> and the plane the... went down. Oh, shit. Actually, the... actually, it's not the most the most depressing Bright Eyes song. It's probably a waste of pain. This is supposed to be a happy segment. 
<laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jay, Jay, do you want some more good? Do you want some good news to bring it back? Yes, please. Craig's is reopening. Yay! Hey! So, I you can actually so... use £900,000 to buy 60,000 state baits. There you go, Bojo. Or 1,800,000 sausage rolls. If... No. What? No that's... no, that's not right at all. Ignore me. <laughs> no, wait, no, that is right because they're, they're four for... <laughs> if they're four for two pounds, that fucking works. I'm so glad <laughs> that I just use a cat. I use the card machine when I'm paying you for drinks because you're fucking terrible at math. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's only used to a tool where he just pushes a button and it shows the price. Calculators <laughs> do it for me. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. We're going to put the brakes on here. Lindsay, give us the good news. Right. So mine is from the beginning of this month. So it's not completely recent, but it is still quite relevant. Um, how many of you have heard of a man called Jason Page? I have not. Nope. Well, you actually all have, because he is the guy that sung the Pokemon theme tune. Oh. Oh, he is the very best that no one ever was. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he is fantastic. Honestly, follow his YouTube channel. He puts up really good singing videos all the time. He is a session musician, basically. So he does lots of vo lots of singing voices for lots of people. He is great. But for this particular one, he has done a parody to the Pokemon song about the track and trace apps that are being released across the world. And oh my God, it is fantastically hilarious. Um, I won't spoil it all for you because I know you're going to want to watch this video. However, my three favorite lyrics, obviously the chorus instead of Pokemon got catch them all. It's COVID-19 got to trace them all. Nice. There is, the app is free. Google or Apple will contact me. Mm. And this one, which I think we will all love the most. Though most jobs are gone, the 5G is still on. <laughs> <laughs> nice, Honestly, nice. like, <laughs> we, are, we are all people that cope with things through humour. And obviously, Mr. Jason Page has got it all down. And we're something that's so nostalgic for everyone. It's just what we need in this sort of time. And honestly, watch the video, guys. It's insanely funny. Absolutely. And we'll put that link in the show notes so people can see it. So, yeah, Jason, have you got some ner uh, more nerdy th things for us? Well, obviously I do. Like, you all know me. It's the fucking PS5. I've got to talk about it. This yeah. fucking thing that looks like what Wayne Tower would look like if it was in Dubai. This <laughs> insane console. Like... <laughs> I watched along with Twitch chat and definitely the best moment of that was you, Lindsay, at the beginning saying, oh, it's going to take a lot for me to switch from my Xbox, only for them to fucking announce Spider-Man. Yeah, Mars Morales, Spider-Man. I, I, bo I bojoed on that one, didn't I? I, <laughs> I won't dive into the technicalities of the console or... No the, one fucking cares about that anyway. I know. No one <laughs> Give me the games. Like, as much as, as I know much like wrestling, I will go into it and everyone will just switch off. But after seeing all the games, like aforementioned Spider-Man, the new Hitman, new Resident Evil, so many new indie games, Deathloop, Tokyo Ghostwire, like basically all the people wanted to see is, okay, you've got a console coming, show us what's going to be on it. And they fucking delivered in the best way possible. 
to the point that Lindsay was pointing out that it looked and sounded like that I just came on stream. (laughs) (laughs) It gave me a chance to escape my own anxieties until I stopped and shivered at one question. How much is this fucking thing going to cost? And we still don't know. (laughs) Who cares how much it's going to cost when they do a game like Bug Snacks? Bug Snacks. (laughs) Snacks. I mean, that shit got dark at the end. Just I mean, that, that, that game is going to get it's gonna get played to shit. Yeah, it's Fever Pinata in it for the PlayStation. That's the kind of game that I need to get high for, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> However, you, we have not mentioned Stray. Oh, God, where you play as the cat. The cat game. As you play as a fucking cat in a robot world. <laughs> what more could I want from life right now? Also, we're missing... Missing a big part of it that not being mentioned yet is mm-hmm. Resident Evil 8. I said the new Resident Evil, but yeah. Resident Evil 8 looks mighty impressive. I, I missed that completely. But it's yeah, it very exciting. fantastic. It's going to be a good one. However, sorry to hijack this, Jason, because I still do not own a Switch yet. And now so I have on. to. <laughs> because... Why do you have to, Lindsay? <sighs> um... <laughs> New Pokemon Snap, guys. New Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Like, I, Jay knows my <laughs> love for this game. He he does, because we, we talk about it quite often. And I think if there is more apt a time to do an N64 speedrun Pokemon Snap with me streaming it at your house, I think it is now. Because <laughs> I can speedrun that game in 20 minutes. So I've got to get up. I'm so fucking excited. Like... New Pokemon games, and I know most of them are like most of them are like little mobile games or whatever. And yeah, damn right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get them too. I'm gonna get Pokemon Smile because who doesn't want to catch Pokemon while you're brushing your teeth? Honestly, like <laughs> who, who like? <laughs> I will explain to Moody. Pokemon Smile is a game that encourages you to brush your teeth, and it does so by giving you Pokemon to catch or save Pokemon from cavities. What? Right. I de- it's like I've not an AR thing. So, I mean, now, now, now you've explained that I'm the one that sounds like an idiot for questioning it, really. Aren't <laughs> I? So. so it's a it's an app you get on your phone, and when you open it up, it's like your mouth on the screen. So you you when you brush, you're like getting viral like bacteria Pokemon out of your mouth, essentially. It's to make it more better, like better for kids, because obviously kids don't like brushing their teeth. But I'm going to get it anyway, because it means more I, Pokemon. Because you've got to catch hear- them all. And how can you catch them all without having all the games? Exactly. I'm hearing this, and all I'm hearing is, I'm going to be so late for work on a day shift. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes the good news. Join us after the break as we get into the pub quiz. Welcome back. So we are in the final segment of today's show, and as usual, it's time for the pub quiz. Now we're going back to normality this week. We've had our birthday quizzes. We're now back to my quizzes. So I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'll let you guys decide that. 
But um, this was excellent. <laughs> well, you would say that. Um, so we're going back to the themes that are sort of relevant to things that are going on. Now, I nearly did a football quiz because we were recording the day that uh, the Premier League restart. But I thought that would be a bit harsh as uh, no one would probably particularly do very well. So I've decided that as this episode goes out on Friday, it is the anniversary of the first ever edition of Garfield, the cat that hates Mondays. That went out, uh, it became, uh, after the, I'll do that again. So Garfield went on to become the longest ever comic strip in circulation. So it's been going for about 60 years now. It's never missed a week. So, so we're going to do a quiz based around comic strips. Now, this could be, as you know, it's, it's just loosely to do with comic strips. So it could be something to do with a comic. It could be something to do with a comic book film. It could be something to do with strip or just a comic. Or, you know, it's all just, that's the loose thing that ties us all together. Same rules apply as normal. When you want to say the answer, say your name and then answer the question. If you get it wrong, you're out for that question. And the last question, which will be number 10, everyone gets a chance to get a point on the board with a true or false question at the end. So is everyone ready? Yes. Ready, baby. Um, right. <laughs> so question number one, we're going to start with everyone's favourite grumpy cat, not grumpy cat, Garfield. We'll start with an easy question. What is Garfield's favourite food? Moody. It was Moody first. Lasagna. Lasagna is white. One point for Moody. Also my favourite food. (laughs) Question number two. There was a 1980s comedy show called The Comic Strip Presents. That led to two very famous British comedy double acts. Can you name either one of those double acts? I'm guessing Reeves and Mortimer. Incorrect. Ah. Lindsay. Lindsay. Guessing again, but Mitchell and Webb. Incorrect. It was way before their time. Uh, Jason. Mm-hmm. Fuck it. Morecambe and Wise. Incorrect. It's after their time. <laughs> ben, we've nailed it down here. Come on. I. I can't remember his. I can't remember his, um. Dave, Harry Enfield and his. Harry Enfield and the other one. Paul Whitehouse, but that is also incorrect. So it's part <laughs> of the careers of French and Saunders. Ah. And Edmondson, no, Adrian Emerson and Rick Mayle. Oh, I should have known that. They were all in that together. And that is where Adrian Edmondson and Jennifer Saunders met and then became married a few years later. Adrian oh. Edmondson is also an Exeter City fan. And he's also, also in the uh, Star Wars film. Right, question number three. So... Um, A famous British comic strip revolving around the football club, Melchester Rovers, has become a go-to piece of vocabulary for all sports commentators in Britain for when an underdog overcomes the odds, normally like a non-league team beating a Premier League team in the FA Cup, for example. Does anybody know what the phrase is? Moody. Yep. Giant killing. Incorrect. Hmm. No, but is this the comic strip that was always really weird and about sex? No. I don't know what it is. Any, any other answers? No idea, mate. Okay, so the main character of this the comic strip was called Roy of the Rovers, and it led to the phrase, it's real Roy of the Rovers stuff. Oh. Because oh, most okay. United were a non-league team 
Manchester United were a non-league team and the comic strip would frequently beat Man United and I think they beat Brazil 15-0 with Pele playing at one point. Um, and Roy, <laughs> Roy from Roy the Rovers had always scored loads of goals and it became known as that's real Roy the Rovers stuff. Right, question number four. We're going to go outside of England for this one. So there's a famous French comic strip called Asterix. Now he is a Gaul fighting Julius Caesar. Which empire was Julius Caesar the emperor of? Moody. Moody was first. Roman. Roman Empire is correct. Can't say I don't put easy questions in now. Right, question number five. Going to go again a bit European. In the comic strip Tintin, what is the name of Tintin's dog companion? Moody. Uh, Lindsay was first there, just. Snowy. Snowy is right. So Lindsay's on the board now as well. Two for Moody, one for Lindsay. Question number six. I'm going to give you a list of characters' names. I need to know the name of the comic strip they appeared in. Danny, Herbert, Fatty, Plug, Sydney, Smithy, Spotty, and Toots. Lindsay? Lindsay, just first. Is it the Dandy? Uh, Incorrect. (sighs) Moody, then. That's good, because I was going to say Dandy, so I'll go Beano. It's a Beano. They are the Bash Street Kids. It was going to, that was a 50-50 one, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, but you know. Um, right, question <laughs> seven. So, coincidentally, both Britain and America have a comic strip called Dennis the Menace. Um, in the British version, obviously, it's Dennis with his dog Nasher. In the American one, it's a little blonde kid that doesn't really do anything that's particularly menacing and just is a bit annoying. Anyway, The Simpsons parodied the American version of Dennis the Menace, and Bart terrorizes which former American president? Jason. I thought it was just Jason. Uh, George Bush Sr. George Bush Sr. is correct. Have I got yes. a delay? Because I've said that well before him. <laughs> it's, it came from what uh, Jason was one I heard first. Right, little question. bit of um little bit of fact about the two Dennis the Menaces. They actually came out in the same week and yeah. neither company knew that their other ones were coming out. Oh, oh I heard that on the Anchor Video Game Nerd on YouTube the other day. Um, right. I heard it on No Such Thing as a Fish. Question number, <laughs> question number eight. So Sweeney Toddler, the most evil little girl of all time, made her first comic appearance in 1973. Her name comes from Sweeney Todd, obviously. Which London street they, did Sweeney Todd, Todd call home? Lindsay was first. You finished what, before I even finished the question. Fleet Street. Fleet Street is right. Brings you level with Moody. Oh. Question number nine. Avengers Endgame is not only the highest grossing comic book film of all time, but the highest grossing film of all time ever. When you factor in inflation, it moves down to third. What becomes the highest grossing film of all time? Moody. Oh, I don't know who was first on that one. You know what, Moody, you're, seeing as you're, I'll give it to Jason, see if he can get us, bring himself uh, level with you. Uh, Titanic. Incorrect. That is second. Lindsay, Lindsay. Oh, well, I'll, I'll go. Let Moody go first because he was sort of tired of Jason. So, <laughs> that was my guess. Um, oh, what's the other one? I know it. This is no, go on. Cool. I'll I'll pass to Lindsay. Lindsay, You're guessing kind of Avatar. Yeah, that's not right. Hmm? Ben, uh, 
Gone with the Wind? Gone with the Wind is correct. Ben's got ah. on the board. <laughs> nice. We did mention that on last week's podcast, of course. Right. So, Thorpe, I'll do you first because... Um, oh, well. So this is an individual <laughs> question. Obviously, Moody and Lindsay are currently tied for first and Jason can tie them if he gets his right. So these are true or false questions. Now, in the history of American comic books, obviously you've got Superman and you've got Batman and all that stuff, but they're quite known for doing ridiculous crossovers. For example, Superman fights Hitler and Batman versus Godzilla. These are all real. They're both real examples. So I'm going to give you a someone versus someone comic book. I need to know, is it true or false? So, Thorpe, Iron Man versus Ren and Stimpy. True or false? Uh, false. It is false because it was Superman. Sorry, Spider-Man versus Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> right. So, Jason, if you get this right, you've got a chance of winning. Well, you could be tied for the lead. Ooh. Godzilla versus Michael Jordan. False. F- that's correct. It was Godzilla versus Charles Barkley. Oh, <laughs> what? I really wanted it to <laughs> Yeah, so uh, no pressure, but uh, Lindsay and Mooney need to get these right to potentially win. So, <laughs> Tarzan versus Predator. True. That is true. Yeah. It was Tarzan. I the first type is Tarzan versus Predator in the centre of the earth. Um, that sounds insane. So, Moody, if you get this right, you are joint with Lindsay. I'm going to have to go for a tiebreak question. Right, yours is Superman and the Nesquik Bunny. <laughs> I want to see want, it. I want it to be true, but it's got to be false. No, it's true. Ah! So Lindsay's our winner this week. Boom, boom. Superman and the Nesquik Bunny just go on adventures and it's just loads of product placement for Nesquik apparently. Impressive quiz, mate. Impressive quiz. You've definitely tested my brain on a lot of stuff there. Well, I mean, when I sort of did comics, I thought I'd try and get it away from the obvious. So, And so it's time for us to sign off. As you may have seen on our Facebook and Twitter, we crossed 1,000 podcast plays recently, which Woo! absolutely blows <laughs> our minds. Thank you all so much for taking the time to listen to our show. If I you mean, 900 it was as well. Yeah, Probably, well, yeah. I, I don't even I don't even listen to it myself. So <laughs> <laughs> just j- joining a podcast and thinking shit. Anyway, I'm not going to join in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this. Um, I talk. If- I talk to you all the time. Anyway, why would I want to listen to it? <laughs> and if you enjoyed the show, please do go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or follow wherever you're listening to us on, whether it's Google Podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, so many different stations. Basically, just Google search the Virtual Pub Podcast and you will find us there. And do go ahead and engage with it. Do give us a positive review. And if you can, share with your friends and family because none of this can go to the pub right now. So we want to bring the pub to as many of you as possible. We do record this live. Hello to everybody on Twitch every Wednesday at 8 p.m. So do feel free to come and join us. You can see all of the outtakes that goes into making an episode of these shows directly on there. It is twitch.tv slash Mr. Jason England. And if you can, buy us a pint on Patreon, would you? At patreon.com slash Mr. Jason England. Asked for where to follow us. We are at Virtual Pub PC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm at Mr. Jason England at the same places. Lindsay, where can we find you? 
can get me on Twitter, Instagram at Kezibeat. And Dolby, where can we find you? Uh, you can get me on Twitter and Instagram at UnlikelyDan. Uh, feel free to send me like quiz ideas or that sort of stuff. Anything you want me to bring up, feel free to drop that over to me on there. Cool. And Ben? Uh, you can find me at Ben's Face or Mode on Instagram and Twitter. And to play us out, we have an R&B and soul artist called Tommy Down uh, with his first single of 2020 called Don't Think I'm Leaving Without You, which shows his really timeless style, something that I'm a really big fan of. And on that note, Ben, sing us out. Someone start <laughs> me off. Someone start. Start. One, two, three, four. I can't remember the words to pump theme tune. I want to be the very Fair best. best. Like no, no one ever was. Train them is my girls. Do, do, do. Carry on. Yeah, me. Hang on, we think we this far last time. I've travelled across the land. Searching far and wide. It's Pokemon to understand the power that's inside. Pokemon, everybody, Pokemon, get you and me. No, it's my destiny, Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, you're my best friend. In a world we must defend. Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh, my heart's so true. Can I do a sign off, please? Bye. 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 <laughs> I'll see you guys in the next one. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. So